Radio MD. RadioMD.com. Listen, Melanie Cole's Health Radio is on now. Occasionally, I get to do some really cool shows when we talk about the latest technologies and advances in the medical field, and this is certainly one of them. My guest today is Dr. Robert Cole. He's the co-medical director of electrophysiology at Baylor Heart and Vascular Hospital, and we're talking about the micro-pacemaker. So tell us, uh, first of all, why do people need a pacemaker? What's going on that they even need one? So that's a great question. Um, In a nutshell... If your heart rate is too slow for any number of a, of a couple of different reasons and you feel limited by that, short of breath, can't exercise, tired all the time, that would be the group of people we're looking at to decide whether they need a pacemaker. So back in the day, pacemakers were a big clunky thing with a battery that maybe lasted 10 years. They had to call up on the telephone and sort of hook it up to their you know, hold it up to their chest and whatever. I mean, there was a whole bunch of stuff that had to go on. So now tell us about this very cool microtranscatheter pacing system. This is, this is to me, the most, one of the most exciting things since actually the advent of the pacer itself. And I'll, I'll take a step back. As you alluded to, pacing technology, which has been around for over 50 years, works great, but... It requires a generator with a battery and electronics that sits in the chest wall. And to get the information to the heart, you need this long wire called a lead that goes through a blood vessel, through the heart, down to the wall of the heart. What, what the micro pacemaker does is shrinks all that over tenfold so that all those components can sit directly in the heart and function just within the heart with really the same kind of battery duration uh, and the ability to still have an MRI and have all the features that a traditional pacemaker would have. So first of all, sometimes you could see a little bump in the person's chest. Can you see this now? No, there's, there's nothing to be seen because it's all within the heart. And it's what's nice within. is it's delivered in a totally different spot. So rather than through, going through the chest to put this in, we make a small nick in the groin area of the leg, where the same area where you'd have a heart catheterization, for example. It's delivered there. 20 minutes later, on average, everything's removed. A little suture is placed that can come out later in the day, and that's it. You're done. Wow. So there's a smooth vessel entry. It's not something that's a big, huge procedure. How long does it usually take? And when you say you're done, does that mean the person gets to go back out and start walking around again? So, so on average, our cases were taking about 30, 30 to 40 minutes when we got started and then down into the 20-minute range as we got better at this in, in the study. Uh, and our patients, after about a three- to four-hour bed rest, were up walking around. Wow. So how soon can they resume normal activity if there's somebody who was worried about, you know, palpitations, AFib, whatever it was? Yeah, what we tell people is to to take it a little on the easy side and just do normal activity for about four or five days and then resume their their exercise regimen. So this micro, hard work. can it be yes. turned off if yeah, it needs so to be? That That's one of the most interesting things about this. Typically, if a pacemaker at the end of its battery life, you would just replace it with another generator. Well, now you have this device that's so small, it's just going to be left behind. So um, the device has an added feature so that it can be completely shut off and then rewoken up if it needs to be. And there are a couple situations where we, we might need to do that. But it, 
But having that feature makes it very flexible, and then we can do whatever we need to do regarding pacing or, or other devices beyond that. And what about going through airport security? Um, same as with a regular pacemaker. You have a card. You tell them, unless, unless they're, you're using that x-ray machine, most likely no one would ever know you have it. Wow, that's really amazing, isn't it? And so this thing resulted in like a 99% implant success rate without dislodgements and, and infections. And so this global trial has really been very successful. Yeah, it, it, the, the trial hit all its, its uh, uh, outcome measures and then beat them. And what was really nice was compared to kind of our historical numbers with regard to complications with standard pacemakers, um, there were half as the half the number of complications, and that that occurred not just by a handful of people who knew you know who who were the top experts. This was ninety different doctors who were implanting this in five continents, multiple countries. So it was a great representation of people who put in pacemakers could pick this up and kind of out of the gate with with the appropriate training, of course, um, use this device very safely and effectively. So if someone is an exerciser, Dr. Cowell, and, and, and does this device respond to their activity levels? Does, you know, if they are a runner that happens to need a pacemaker, which does happen sometimes, you know, does it respond? What does it do when the heart needs to really yeah. pump some blood? Yeah, so that's a great question. And, and so, uh, again, going back to a traditional pacemaker, the generator that sits in the chest wall away from the moving heart can sense the body's motion and kick up the heart rate as needed when someone's running or, or doing work. What's really amazing about this device is even sitting within a moving heart, it can filter out the heart's movement and, and know when the body's moving to kick up the heart rate. And when you put someone on a treadmill, you see that the pacemaker responds by increasing the heart rate appropriately and then bringing the heart rate back down when they stop exercising. So you're an electrophysiologist. And who yes. is, are you the person that implants this? Do they have to go to a cardiovascular man, or, or, or who do they go to? So, so the people who will be uh, trained to implant this are either going to be, uh, well, will be people who have experience putting in pacemakers and experience using large-sized catheters for the groin access, since, since it's a marriage of two different techniques. So that could be electrophysiologists. There could be some... Uh, what we call interventional cardiologists, those people who traditionally do catheterizations. There may even be some cardiac surgeons who do this over time. And I think going forward, you know, you project this out a few years and we have a lot more experience. I think that door will open um, as to who's eligible to implant this. So what do you see as the future? I mean, if this is this new cool device that goes right into the heart, has a little bit of a longer battery life, can be turned on and off, can be replaced if needed, small vessel entry, easy, smooth. So what do you think will change in the future? It's like you think to yourself, we've seen it all. Do you think they'll become leadless? Do you think, what do you think? So, you know, I, I really think this is a chance for us to transform how we do pacing across the board. Currently, this device, because it only paces in the lower chamber, really represents a possible patient group of about 25% of all who need pacemakers. But I think within the next few years, we're going to see the ability to have these devices in the upper chamber of the heart, the atrium, or devices like micro that can also sense the atrium and now open the door 
to being able to offer this to, you know, 50, 70, 80% of patients who need pacing. And then ultimately, this is a tool to communicate with uh, defibrillators and more sophisticated and complex devices uh, so that we can really get rid of all leads and all devices. I think that's the real goal in the future. And the reason for that is if you look at people's complications related to these very effective traditional devices, they're related to the pocket in the chest wall that the device sits in and the leads. So the more we can get rid of leads, the safer people people's lives will be with pacing technology, not only at the time of the implant, but for the next 10, 15 years. Very cool. Dr. Cowell, thank you so much for educating the public about the microtranscatheter pacing system. The new pacemaker that goes directly into the heart has a 99% implant success rate and zero dislodgements, zero infections up to now. It's a very exciting bit of technology, and that's what we're doing here at Radio MD. We are letting you know about these things when we find out about them and when they're FDA approved. And if you missed any of the great information and you know somebody with heart issues that may need a pacemaker, maker share this show with them you can listen anytime on demand or on the go at radiomd.com iheart itunes or the free tune in radio app this is melanie cole thanks for listening and stay well 